0: Good morning. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource, and joining me is Scott Grafe, and Scott is the CEO of Luna Innovations. And I normally start out by asking uh, Scott you know, tell, to tell us a little bit about the company, but I took a look at the chart, and uh, I was just wondering how long he's been involved with the company because um, I think it's only been a couple of years, and just coincidentally, the stock had gone sideways for about eight years, and in the last couple years, has, has been heading up. And I just want to see um, if that's the case, and if there's any correlation there. So, uh, with that, um, Scott, good morning.
1: Good morning. How are you?
0: Good, good. So, so how long have you been with the company? Am I right about that?
1: No. Well, actually, I I got involved with the company uh, in around 2000, so about nearly 20 years ago, as an outside investor. And uh, I invested in one of the spin-offs that the company had, and, and took a, a board seat, and joined the, the company Loon Innovations in 2002, 2003 timeframe as the CFO and with the CFO when we went public in 2006. I think what you're picking up on is I took over the CEO role about three years ago um, at the company so you know, I've been around at the company for a while in, in a variety of, of positions, uh, CFO, COO, and, and head of strategy, but uh, the, took over the CEO job about three years ago.
0: Okay, fair enough. Okay, with, with that out of the way, um, please tell us a little bit about the company.
1: Sure. I mean, Loon Innovations is, uh, we describe ourselves uh, as a uh, fiber optic-based test and measurement company. Uh, You know, we have two very distinct uh, divisions, one that does kind of contract research and one that is based around fiber optics. And within that fiber optics, one of our our market verticals uses the fiber different than everyone thinks of fiber. Everyone thinks of fiber as transmitting data, which it does. in In one of the market verticals that we call our structural test or our sensing vertical, it uses that fiber as the sensor itself. So you can put that that fiber everywhere on a structure, and get feedback uh, on that structure. So think as an example of that, really to get clear on that, think of the central nervous system in your body. If you bump your big toe, your mind tells you your big toe hurts, not one of your toes, not pain from the waist down, or not somewhere in your body, specifically your big toe. That's the central nervous system in your body. We do that on structures like planes, and and, and automobiles putting fiber everywhere so that you can detect things down to exactly where it's happening. So think about heat detection or fire suppression. You can know exactly where it is. You know, the previous technology or today's technology, it tells you an area of the plane is increasing temperature. But by using our fiber optic, it provides that structure with that central nervous system, if you will. The other other market vertical that we're in using fiber is testing uh, the loss across different fibers. So this is very relevant in the 5G push, kind of that need for speed. We have products that test down to the component level, so down at the chip, to make sure they are meeting the specifications to go into, say, the 5G network, or into, say, data centers, so testing across the short-haul network. So it really is a lot of things related to fiber optics, using fiber, it's lighter, faster, cheaper than than the legacy copper technology. So a lot of people are moving, you know, to put fiber everywhere since the weight of it is is, is less than that of the human hair.
0: And so the the common denominator between the two areas is, is your your knowledge of, uh, of of what
1: fiber. Yeah, I think it's it's of the. It's really of of the characteristics of fiber being a passive type of, of, you know, the fiber is passive. So you can put it everywhere without disrupting electronics or anything like that. So I think the common bond between the two is really our knowledge behind fiber. We've been working with fiber since the company started 30 years ago. And, you know, I, I always say, I think our, you know, the market kind of caught up with our technology. It was only 10 years ago when we were out with the fastest speeds ever, and, and you had a lot of folks going, well, I don't need speed that fast. I'm okay with where it is. Now, in today's movement to 5G and others, they need, they need the speed as fast as they can get, and, and that's sure. why we're seeing a lot of our momentum.
0: And, and so is this based on know-how, or, or is it proprietary?
1: Oh, it's very proprietary. We've been building IP. You know, we have over uh, 300 patents, uh, nearing 400 patents that, that surround all of our technologies. So it's, it's very proprietary. Okay. And
0: then where do you fit in in the overall competitive landscape for this?
1: Yeah, I think the, the competitive landscape is, is kind of shifting in, in, in what we have. You know, when you think of... And I'll use the word lightweighting, and I and I mean that in the sense of everyone wants to get weight out of the structure, so they want to make the planes lighter, they want to make the automobiles lighter, they want to make bridges, dun- tunnels, dams lighter. Everyone knows I can build the Golden Gate Bridge. I can make it 18 inches thick, two feet thick of steel, and I know it's going to be around 100 from now years from now. But what if I I want to use 20 percent uh, of that of that steel and I want to incorporate concrete and I want to incorporate aluminum and I want to incorporate composites into that structure and we did this when you think of the bridge that connects Macau to Hong Kong, the longest bridge in the world, 50 plus kilometer bridge and we worked with them in a design stage where we put fiber optic everywhere in that bridge uh, to be able to give them real field feedback so the competitive edge is us in our way that we can – the feedback we can get from fiber in real time on those structures that enable the manufacturers to lighten the weight of, 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 those, of those structures. Okay. So
0: other than bridges, uh, what are the, the markets that you guys are addressing?
1: Well, aerospace, I- I- aerospace and uh, automo- automotive are, are two key markets for us as well. Um, you know, when you think of – Aerospace, and, and you're starting to see major manufacturers of, of airplanes come out and say uh, they're putting out, say, an RFP. Uh, so they're putting out a, a request for proposal for uh, landing gear or for heat suppression, and uh, and they're and they're saying it's got to include a fiber optic solution. So w- the way that we have approached it is going to the top tier suppliers. Of, of these of these airline manufacturers and partnering with them, you know, they've been providing you know heat suppression for 40 years, and now with the new aircraft coming out and it needing to be a fiber optic solution, you know a lot of these these manufacturers don't have a fiber optic solution. So you know we announced a partnership that we have with Megat PLC. It's a it's a it's a company traded on the on the London Stock Exchange. You know large company that chose us over many fiber optic companies to partner with to be able to, you know, propose a new heat detection system that includes fiber optics.
0: Okay. And
1: then what is your –
0: what's the size of your piece of this, your, your total addressable market?
1: Well, when you look at, yeah, I mean, everyone can throw you these mega numbers when they talk about, well, aerospace or automotive. And we really try to carve that down in in kind of the TAM and and, and more specifically the SAM. And when we get down to that, you know, I think we're looking at probably a a two-plus billion-dollar market that is our SAM, truly the market that we address and we can service uh, is probably a little over $2 billion, split between those two market verticals, split between what we provide on the communication test side, uh, you know, in, in that movement to 5G, and what we provide on that, on that uh, structural test or sensing side, using that fiber as a sensor, you know, probably more a million and a half to, you know, plus on that side and, and uh, maybe a, a billion dollars on the other side. So I would say it's, a, it's, it's north of $2 billion. Uh, okay, the market so we're addressing.
0: Pretty sizable. And, and when, wow. you
1: ca- when you get business, are you competing on
0: price, or, or, or what are you doing to, to grab your piece of it?
1: Yeah, it's really not price. It's, it's going in and, and, and providing a solution. And, and I think, you know, what we're doing is beating, beating folks out on performance. So we have a product that using this fiber, think of that fiber again as your central nervous system. We have a product that goes out up to 50 meters, Um, And it goes eight different channels. So it can go eight different directions, 50 meters each channel. So the, the solution you're talking about there is, for example, the wing of an aircraft in the manufacturing. And they're building that, and they want to test the structure of that. Or on automotive. So you have that market, and and, and that's a high-resolution, a super-high-resolution product that gives them the speed and the resolution they need to evaluate that structure. And then the next product we have does exactly what that shorter-range one does. It just does it across the long haul. So that's going out kilometers, and think of that as going everywhere there is on an aircraft, on a new you know uh... you know commercial aircraft having fiber everywhere on that plane and being able to give the pilot real-time feedback of what's going on throughout the entire aircraft so that is a high speed uh... they don't necessarily need the, the, the super high resolution but it's a high speed because you're going kilometers you have gotta get feedback very quickly on that bridge or that airplane so okay. you know i think our competitive edge really is is the product that we have and the results that it gives—it's—it's not about ASP. Gotcha. And then you mentioned
0: one partnership. Um, do you have any other partners or strategic uh, relationships?
1: Yeah. Well, we talk. You know, and I've been—I've been very public about our partnership with Maggot on the sensing side, working in aircraft. They are the premier supplier to the Airbuses of the world, to Boeings of the world, to, to major aircraft manufacturers. They're, you know, they're kind of best in class. And that's somewhat of an oligopoly. You know, it's controlled by a handful of folks, Megat being a, a, you know, a top tier supplier. So our partnership with them is critical. Uh, in getting into, into you know, uh, customers that, that would be very difficult for, a, customer, for a, a company our size to get a meeting, you know, with the head of procurement at Airbus. But Megat meets with the head of procurement at Airbus all the time, or the head of procurement uh, of the new Dreamliner at Boeing. Well, Megat meets with them all the time, so by bringing us in with them as their partner, that's very critical. Yeah, the other partner that I talk about, the strategic partnership that we have, is is our partner Lockheed Martin um, in developing a handheld version of what we typically, you know, had for years. So we, for years, developed a, you know, a a piece of equipment that was rack-mountable, that that was used by the, you know, the Ph.D. double double E engineer, and, and it was a great product. But Lockheed said, I want a handheld product, battery-operated, touchscreen, screen, uh, mil-spec, so it has an otter box around it. Military spec means you can drop it from eight feet and pick it up. It can get wet, and it works. So a field-deployable system that can go out on the tarmac and measure the plane rather than pulling it into the hangar. So we developed that system. They said, oh, by the way, also, I want it to be simple. I want it to have a red light green light, a green go, you know, a red no-go, is this system working. So fiber is everywhere in the aircraft, and they want to be able to plug that in out on the tarmac and have a mechanic or a mechanical engineer, you know, a technician, be able to gauge whether the fiber optic system in that plane, specifically the F-35, but is applicable across all of their aircraft as you look at the F-22, the F-16, the C-130, you know all those different planes that have fiber optics in them. So okay. those are two very important, and and that's and that's a and that's an example of a partnership uh, in each of those two market verticals. One in that sensing vertical with Maggot and one in that in that communications test vertical with Lockheed Martin.
0: Okay. Now the the field deployable product you mentioned that sounds important. Has that been launched, or or where are you with that?
1: Yeah, we we have sold. Uh, you know, a handful of those to Lockheed Martin, and it has passed all tests. So it is, is quite frankly, being launched. We had a soft launch, but the, the press release and all that is launched uh, next week at a at a conference uh, OFC, which is out in San Diego. It is the the Optical uh, Photonics Conference uh, uh, of the year, and uh, so we're, we're gonna we'll be officially releasing that at that show. Okay, and, and
0: then uh, you know, you made a couple acquisitions. Uh, are they fully digested, or or where are you in that process?
1: Yeah, we went through, you know, when I took over three years ago, we kind of really looked at uh, what I believed and I think what the market believed was a complicated story, and and I think we needed to clean that up. So by divesting, you know, we had two sells and two buys. You know, we sold a high-speed receiver business to Maycom uh, back in uh, mid-2017, and, and, and then we sold uh, another specialty, sensor, uh, uh, you know, customized sensor business out in California to, to uh, OSI. So we did those two cells, and then we turned around and said, well, let's acquire some things that fit with what we're trying to, to, to do here, fit with the strategy that we're creating. So we acquired a company in October of 2018, a company called Micron Optics down in Atlanta. Um, and then we acquired a company out, outside of L.A. in Chino uh, in March of 2019. So we now are a year plus on both of those acquisitions. They are fully integrated into our business. Uh, they, they were real – product line type businesses. So we were very interested in the product line. Uh, a couple of those acquisitions came with top management. We were able to roll that management in. So when you have a lot of acquisitions, you're trying to grow, you know, the typical requisitions that you open are engineers, sales folks, and things like that. Well, when you acquire companies that, you know, small or maybe private companies, you get a lot of that, that superior talent hidden inside those private companies. And that's exactly what we found, you know, down in Atlanta, uh, by acquiring them and and acquiring General Photonics out out in California. We we were able to bring a, a lot of top management in as well. So those are fully integrated, going very well. Now, you know, the question is, and I've always said and I was asked throughout 2019, so what's next on the horizon? And I kept saying, look, we just did two acquisitions. I want to make sure they're done correctly. I want to make sure they're done fully, you know, fully integrated. And I want them to live up to the numbers that we said they were going to do when we acquired them. The, the, the pitch that I gave to the board and said, here, why, you know, why these two companies are the right companies to acquire, the first one, Micron, and then the second one, Genfo. And I wanted them to live up to the financials that, that you present. Those in the M&A world know that, in, in many ways, that's unusual. Unusual in that you present these numbers and the company has pitched you why, why those numbers are great and they gave you a performance that are you know pie in the sky. Neither of these companies that we acquired were on the market. These are companies that we knew that I approached the CEO and said, hey, here's why I believe joining Luna, pairing together with Luna – will make more sense for you. And I did that in both of those cases, and they have lived up to those numbers that I presented. So 2019, I said, I gotta get those integrated. I want them to live up. That now has happened. So you know, if you listen to yesterday's earnings call, I think there was a lot of questions around, okay, are you back on the acquisition bandwagon? And I said, look, I'm always having conversations. We always look for things that, that makes sense you know um, I'm not in a. In a, in a I don't have to be in a terrible rush I've already said I think I'll grow mid to upper teens overall organically in 2020 I gave guidance to that um, so I don't have to do an acquisition but we are actively having conversations certainly with things that we think make sense um, but I've always said they have to fit you know I go out there and we've spent the last three years trying to simplify this story and talk about Test and measurement, fiber optic test and measurement. And, and, and so any acquisition we do has to fit within that. You know, and then as everyone will tell you, we're not going to overpay. And then the, the, the third piece is, is it has to be accretive. This has to add to the top and bottom line on day one. We cannot afford at our size to spend time waiting for something to, to materialize. It has to be impactful on day one.
0: Okay, cer- certainly understandable. But in terms of the overall plan, is, is there any piece that you need to to acquire?
1: Yeah, I don't think I need to acquire. Again, if you're growing at, at where I believe we will grow, uh, you know, uh, organically. I don't think that we need. I think there's things that are complementary. There's some other players out there that are, that are in the market that we're in that we have huge respect for, and that's what we did in each of our market verticals with Micron and General Photonics. They were companies that we had huge respect for, we got to know very well, and it was, it was a lot easier of a conversation and acquisition when you were dealing with some, some folks that you respected and you already knew. And there's some other players out there that, that are in the, the verticals that we're in that, that are complementary. And quite frankly, if they don't fit with us, many times we refer them on to other companies. And, and those are the ones that you have the highest rate uh, of success because you know them and you know their culture. You know, let's not kid ourselves. Culture is the is the critical piece to this. When you have 300 employees, you know, and, and the large number of PhDs and master degree folks that we have here, culture is critical, and we have to make everyone feel part of something. So when I look at at potential mergers or acquisitions, you know, I look hard at what's their culture, and are they going to feel are they going to fit within Luna? We've done too. We spent too much time in, in, in getting one culture here at Luna, and you can disrupt that by making the wrong acquisition. So, you know, we look very hard at what's the culture uh, of an acquisition target, and and you know that a lot more if you've dealt with them, you've partnered with them, or you've worked with them, or you know, you've been at trade shows with them, you've had meetings with them. So. That's, that, that's what narrows down um, when you look at these different, these different folks that could be complimentary. Very good.
0: Now, uh, who are your customers and uh, what sales channels are you using?
1: Well, we use, we use both um, direct, we have direct, uh, direct sales channels, and we use distribution channels. In, in, in North America, we have reps on the East Coast and the West Coast, and I mean outside reps, as well as direct sales folks. We probably have six to ten people in North America as direct sales folks. I mean, when I say sales, you know, we don't... We don't you know, we're not talking about inside sales or sales support. I'm talking about hard-driven, aggressive, bag-carrying, quota-driven sales guys and um, that, that are out there in the field helping manage the reps and things like that. You know, we have uh, about a half a dozen direct sales folks in, in EMEA in Europe and, and, and the Middle East in, in selling that as well as distribution channels. So they sell directly as well as manage those, those, those uh uh, those, uh, those partnerships over there. So we sell, you know, we sell both ways, um, and, and, and drive it, and drive it that way. So that's kind of how we do that. You know, when you think of who are we selling to, um, you know, think of when I say aerospace, automotive, you know, you name it, we sell it to them. I mean, Boeing, Airbus, big players, uh, Honda Jet, Lockheed Martin, uh, you know, all of the, uh, of the communication test folks, the, the Cisco's of the world and things like that. You know, when you get into the data centers, everyone that has a data center, you know, we sell to Apple, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft. Uh, all the folks with, uh, with data centers need our test equipment to test those networks. So, uh, yeah, big sell.
0: And then, how big a sale is it? What's an average or a range of an al- a- average uh, selling price? I guess. Cause yeah, it
1: all do depends what what product we're talking about. You know, we have we have a wide variety of products, but ours are on the higher end. You know, they they provide a lot of things that others can't. So. Our average ASP on some of our products may be north of $100,000, 100, dollars 100, $125,000. We have some products down as low as $10,000, $20,000. So it's a wide variety of that. And the folks that are down at ten, twenty, dollars they may buy three, four, five of these things. And, and if you're up over $100,000, they buy one or two. Um, so you know, your average order could be you know, in, the, in you know, nearing $100,000 on an average order. Now, you know where we're driving this to, and that's where, you know, we talk about when you get specced into something. You know, being spec'd in to the F-35 program, you know, that's huge because that turns single-digit orders and, and, and into dozens of orders and maybe even hundreds of orders as you think about what they need to do to deploy this piece of equipment. Like I said, initially on the sustainment of the F-35 but as it quickly follows with F-22, F-16, C-130, and that's just one customer. You know, we talked about on the call yesterday of taking this technology. This is our technology; it's commercially available technology that we can take everywhere. So you, you know, so it's not just the military, but you can you can see taking it to Northrop Grumman on the F-18. You can see taking it to Boeing on the F-15. You can see taking it onto Navy warships, and that's before you even get to the commercial airliners. On that piece of test equipment, um, and, and and then when you when you know when I talk about that partnership with Megat and if you're able to get on on every plane, every new plane going forward, when you get specced into that, that's where you're trying to go. So you turn that average order that might be you know eighty to a hundred thousand dollar order into blanket orders that run for years and and, and if you get those
0: Oh, sorry about sorry about that. If you get those orders, do you have the ability to scale it?
1: We do, certainly. We are already in scaling mode. We are okay. anticipating that down the road. So, you know, we are, we are certainly prepared uh, for scaling that. And we have a lot of capacity outside of what we're doing right now with the structure that we have. Uh, you know, there was some talk yesterday on the call about, you know, the, the increase. Uh, so we've had some increase in our operating expense. Well, certainly as a growth company, you should see increase in operating expense. As I'm hiring more engineers and technicians and sales folks, not to mention the infrastructure changes that we need to do on the IT front, uh, in, installing a new ERP system. Those are things when you, when you go from, like you said, where we were, three, four, or five years ago to where we are now and where we're going, you've got to spend some money on infrastructure. You would expect that as a growth company to need to spend on that. So so, uh, we are preparing.
0: And and so where are the the margins now? And and with the OPEX increase, uh, you know, where where should they go to?
1: Yeah, uh, well, you know, I think the gross margin, you know, we finished Q4 uh, with a 53% combined gross margin. Um, I think uh, that was a very uh, good quarter. Um, and, you know, I think we, we've talked about when you look at, uh, you know, kind of the, uh, the market, you know, I guided on, on revenue and I gave 81 to 84 million as my guidance on that. I guided on, on adjusted EBITDA and I said adjusted EBITDA is, is 10 to 12 million. So you can kind of back your way into that, uh, in, into the margins. But I think, you know, we've, we've kind of averaged you know, in the high 40s, uh, low 50s on, on average. And, and we can see, we can, you know, we continue to see increase in that as we have growth in our products business uh, over the contracts business. So.
0: Okay. And then the, the revenue model, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, I mean, the revenue model is, 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 is built around fiber optics. You know, we are a, a test equipment type company. So we build product and sell product. So the revenue model is, is out with sales folks in front of customers uh, you know, with, with equipment that we believe is, is instrumental in, in where they're going. So uh, it's, a, it's, it's heavily driven on products, in selling those products through our, our direct and indirect sales channels, uh, building and, and then uh, shipping those products, uh, and, and obviously servicing those products. So the revenue model really is driven around uh, an increase in our product sales. Okay.
0: Any gating factors or, um, you know, concerns about supply chain in China?
1: No, we don't have – we, we source a lot of our product, at, you know, uh, 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 materials out of out of the U.S. There are some things that we get uh, out of China. Um, we saw a little bit of delay, some delays in January and February, but uh, at least the little that we get is back up and running and, and – and and shipping to us here in in March, so we don't see a lot of uh, of challenges uh, in in the in the Asia market.
0: How about uh, growth drivers? What are some of the key drivers for you?
1: Yeah, I think the growth drivers are are really driven around fiber optics. As people are you know are getting more familiar with fiber and realizing the fantastic qualities that fiber brings to you. Um, you know, I think that's the key growth drivers. People see this and they see what we can do with it with shooting light down that fiber. And, again, think about it. think, Think if you were holding a human hair. You'd barely know that you were holding anything. No one, no one says, oh, gosh, I can feel the weight. I must be a, there must be a strand of hair on my back. You know, and, and no one thinks that. It's, it's lightweight. It's passive. And I think the growth driver is driven around people's continued education and understanding of what fiber can do for you. You know, I, I use the reference when you think of the movie The Graduate, and, 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 and they're out by the pool, and, and he says, you know, one word plastics. And I think if that movie was made today, that one word would be fiber. You know, that's where we're going. I think that's how impactful fiber will be to to, to the country and the world.
0: Very good. Now, Now, if we look out over the year, what are some of the things we should watch for, some catalysts or events that you have coming up?
1: Yeah, I think the continued growth. As I said, you know, two, two important pieces that, that I see, and that's getting additional orders, getting orders that are starting to buy the tens, the twenties, the dozens of these things, getting specced into things, continuing our partnership with Maggot and, and, and progressing that. You know, you know it, it's, it's always great when, when not only it's me saying it, um, but then when you listen to Megit's earnings call and they're and they're calling out Luna as cutting edge, best in class technology, you know, you can't buy that marketing. So, you know, if you're covering the the 7 billion dollar market cap company Megit and they're calling out Luna, you know, again, that's that's the best that's the best you can get. So, I think continuing to watch that. We're also on say the bridges and structures. You know, we're trying to be the, the, the data gatherer. So you're not just putting the systems on these bridges, but you're also the gatherer of that data. So think about the, the municipality that buys our equipment for the bridge that they own in small town Hawaii, right? And, and you're, you're selling them the equipment. Well, they don't understand necessarily the information coming off of and they need it put into plain English for them to be able to react to, to what that data is telling them. And what we're selling is not just that equipment, but the service to help them understand that. So what that turns into is kind of more of a recurring revenue stream that, that we expect to capture in working with that customer well beyond just the, the selling of that product.
0: Very good. Well, before we go, is there anything uh, you want to leave us with or uh, tell us why no, I really you believe Luna a great no, place I really to put money?
1: It. Yeah, I really appreciate the time with you. I think, look, I think we're in attractive markets. There's no doubt. I mean, when you think about, again, I use that word light weighting, lighting lighting the weight of structures. I mean, I don't think tomorrow we're going to wake up and they're going to go, you know what? Let's go back to heavy steel. Let's just make all cars, all steel, real heavy steel bumper. I don't think that's happening. And also on the other side, on the communications test side, I don't think someone's waking up tomorrow and going, you know what? 3G was fast enough. Yeah, it buffers a little bit, but I can live with buffering. I don't think that's going to happen. So I think we're only going to making it lighter in weight and we're going to faster speeds. Because it's not about you and I um, pulling up our phone and watching Netflix. Infrastructure is built around the, that need for speed. So it's not a matter of, you know, is Joe or Jim or Jane fast enough on watching their, their, you know, their Amazon show? It's not about that. It's about the infrastructure that America is putting around, that the world is putting around, uh, need, the need for that speed. So I think with that... We're adequately capitalized. Look, we have $25 million in cash, no debt, no preferreds, no warrants, and, and I believe we have a, a, you know, a, you know, an experienced management team that can execute on this. Um, you know, I pride myself in being transparent. I'm going to tell you what I know. I'm going to be as transparent as I can. Um, I can't say when I've got an M&A deal in uh, in place until I announce it or whatever, but but I'm going to be as transparent as I can, and I try to show that on every call that we get on and every meeting I have to just be as transparent with everyone. So that's kind of the the model that that I'm driving here uh, at Luna.
0: Well, great. Well, well, Scott, I appreciate you, you telling us about Luna. It's a very interesting story.
1: All right. Well, great. Thank you, Jeff.